We now have our Bible readings. The first reading this morning is taken from the book of Acts, chapter 9, beginning at verse 32. It can be found on page 137 in the New Testament section of the Church Bible. In this reading, we hear of Peter healing a paralyzed man in Lydda. Now, as Peter went here and there among all the believers, he came down also to the saints living in Lydda. There he found a man named Aeneas, who had been bedridden for eight years, for he was paralyzed. Peter said to him, Aeneas, Jesus Christ heals you. Get up and make your bed. And immediately he got up. And all the residents of Lydda and Sharon saw him and turned to the Lord. The second reading is taken from John chapter 20, beginning at verse 19. It can be found on page 123 in the New Testament section of the Church Bible. In this reading, we hear of the disciples' encounter with the risen Jesus on the evening of Easter Sunday. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, good morning, everyone. Um, shall we pray together? <laughs> Lord, may my mouth speak wisdom and the words of my heart bring understanding that your Holy Spirit would be our teacher this morning to awaken our hearts, expand our minds, and shape our identity. In you we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. So I wonder, over Easter, how's God been speaking to you? One day in your life, where have you been hearing the, the music of his voice? Or where have you, if you like, caught sight of, if you like, the vision of his glory? Or in, in your life, where might, shall we say, we've been discerning his footprints in the sand? You know, one of the ways in which God has been speaking to me, in particular over Easter, has been these links between the, the Christmas and the Easter story. 
You know, in some ways, that's been in, in quite new ways that I'd never really thought about. In, in statements like this, for instance, nobody would have thought of celebrating Christmas if it had not been for Easter. You know, maybe, maybe ponder that as you go away. But sometimes the way that he's been doing it is sometimes we just need to be reminded about things, don't we? Because our minds get dulled, don't they? We just forget things. And so as I was preparing this particular message or looking at this particular series, of course, if we were at Christmas now and it was two weeks after Christmas, we'd, we'd talk about the story of the epiphany, wouldn't we? And the coming of the wise men as they bring their three gifts to the, to the baby Jesus to symbolise his, his kingship. This, this very famous story that we get told from, from children, and we probably know it better than the biblical writers now, don't we? Well, two weeks now after Easter this year, you know, I was, I was looking and just looking at this particular passage because what we see in this passage is the story of the three gifts of Easter, don't we? Well, in the story of the three gifts of Easter, whereas Jesus turns from being, if you like, gift receiver to gift giver. And in the, the story of the three gifts of Easter, the gifts aren't just given to, to one person. They're given to all of Jesus' followers. And in the story of the three gifts of Easter, what we see is this, that as the gifts are received, so we then pass them on. You see, the story of the three gifts of Easter occurs on that first Easter Sunday evening as the disciples uh, are gathered to some extent behind locked doors. During these four Sundays of Easter, what we're looking at is we're just looking at four, if you like, ordinary people's encounters with the risen Jesus. You know, these people were just like you and me. We know that because we see some of the things that they do in the Gospels and we know that's just like me. That's just like what I would have done. Just ordinary people like you and me. And I've said how through these ordinary people's encounters, they show us the four pieces of evidence that shows that Jesus had risen from the dead. The empty tomb, as we saw two weeks ago. The Jesus' resurrection body, as we see a bit more this morning. The eyewitness accounts, as we see once again this morning. And then just the transforming difference that Jesus' resurrection made to the early church. You know, for some of them, it was just one piece of evidence they needed. John just needed to see the empty grave clothes and it said he saw and he believed. For, for, for Mary Magdalene, she needed to not just see the empty tomb, she needed to see the resurrection Jesus, the resurrected Jesus. And it said that she saw and she believed. I wonder how many pieces of evidence we need to see and to believe. So let's go, as they say, through the keyhole that first Easter Sunday evening to that, through that locked door as the disciples met the risen Jesus. There they sit. Though we know if you know the rest of the story, not all of them are there. A very apt description to describe, if you like, the disciples' togetherness at this stage. It's now the evening. John's in the room, having seen and believed. 
Mary Magdalene's in the room having seen and believed. Yet still, how would you describe it? The atmosphere is apprehensive. The mood is tense. The fear is overwhelming. And in the twinkling of an eye almost like Jesus appears and says to them, peace to you. Peace to you. The first gift of Easter is the gift of receiving Jesus' peace. Psalm 29 and verse 10 says, The Lord shall give his people the blessing of peace. And there Jesus stands saying, Peace to you. Peace to you. That Greek word there for peace corresponds to the, the Hebrew word that many of us will know called shalom. It means much more than an absence of, of conflict. It goes deeper than having a life without strife. It goes beyond human understanding. It's the peace of knowing God's goodness and love towards you. The peace of knowing, if you like, God's well-being, his wholeness, his prosperity flowing towards you. It's why we can, even amidst the most difficult circumstances in our lives, we can know that inner peace, that inner calmness, that inner serenity that he brings. If you know anything about how John structures his gospel, you will know that in chapters 14 through to 17, if you like, Jesus just tells the whole load of his disciples a whole load of stuff. Kind of like the stuff that he wants to get out there that he doesn't want them to forget before he dies. And it occurs through chapters 14 through 17. It's kind of known as John's farewell discourse or his Maundy Thursday discourse. And in one of those passages in chapter 14 and verse 27, Jesus says these very famous words, doesn't he? We often sometimes will hear them at funerals. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not let them be afraid. See, the gift of Jesus' peace is the antidote to fear and worry. It was precisely why it was the first gift of Easter because that was the gift that the disciples needed to receive because their hearts were troubled. They were living in fear behind locked doors. So what does Jesus do? He doesn't break down the door. He goes through it. Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace to you. And in the same way as John had seen and believed as he saw the empty grave clothes, now the disciples see for themselves one of those four pieces of evidence that we started to look at a bit last week, that Jesus had risen from the dead, his, his resurrected body. You know, in the words of Bishop Tom Wright, who will write the most stuff about this that there is around and probably the best person that you can read on this subject, what we can say is that Jesus' resurrection body is, is trans-physical. Trans in the sense that it's transformed. Physical in the sense that it's a, a body. 
You know, Jesus lives in this prototype, resurrected body, the type that all of his believers will receive at the end of time. You know, and we can see, can't we? It's mystical, isn't it? Jesus is the same. He showed them his hands, his wrists, that bore the scar marks of the nails of crucifixion still. He showed them his side where the spear had pierced him. He's the same, yet he's different. He's alive despite these wounds and scars of death, but with a new sort of life, suggesting that whoever we are now is a mere shadow of our future self. And what happens? We read that when the disciples saw the Lord... And he'd said those words, peace to you. We read that they rejoiced when when they saw the Lord because they were becoming one of those eyewitnesses, weren't they? They were becoming one of those eyewitnesses of which we get told in 1 Corinthians there was more than 500 of them who testified to seeing the risen Jesus. And as part of that same Maundy Thursday discourse that Jesus had given them just three days before, he'd said this, very truly I tell you, you will weep and mourn, but the world will rejoice. You will have pain, but that pain will turn into joy. So you have pain now, but I will see you again, and your hearts will rejoice, and no one will take that joy from you. See, that's the outcome, isn't it? Joy is the outcome of receiving and knowing Jesus' peace in all of our life. Overflowing joy that just, just flows out. It's why people, even when they're going through the most difficult circumstances, they not only know Jesus' peace, there's just something about them that, that radiates joy. You know, I often find that, don't you, with the people who suffer the most in life. You know, we, 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 we look at them, but you, you go and meet some Christians who suffer the most in life, and the joy that they radiate... You see, we're not only to be beneficiaries of Jesus' peace, are we? We're to pass it on. We're to be his agents, if you like. You know, last last Tuesday, I was was at the crematorium officiating at a funeral of of someone who I'd met a a few times over my time in, in, in Jersey. And at the wake afterwards, one of her sons came up to me and, and he said words a bit like this. He said, you know, we've just done the memories of my mother's life, her eulogy, if you like, and I was in absolute pieces. And he said, then you got up to, to read this Bible reading that we'd asked you to read, and you, you gave this address, and all of a sudden there was this, this calmness, this peace that, that descended upon me. He wanted to, to thank me for that. And I just turned around and said, well, it had nothing to do with me. It's just Jesus. You see, as we have received the gift, so we pass it on. And then, about five minutes later, another one of her sons came up to me and said, listen, we're just in the memories of my mum's life. You know, and we'd had this eulogy. I don't know if they'd been talking in the car or not. And he said, we, I was in absolute pieces. And then you stood up and you, you read this Bible reading that you asked us to read. You asked us to read and you gave, gave your address. And there was just this calmness that came upon him. And he said... Thank you, I said, it's got nothing to do with me, it's all to do with Jesus. You see, as we've received the gift of Jesus' peace, so we pass it on. 
And you know, we, we live in a world, you know, you know this from your lives. We don't need to read any headlines on this. We don't need to watch any news on this, do we? We live in this world of heightened anxiety, worry, stress, and fear, where for many, just this emotional and mental well-being spring that everyone has has just sprung too far. And it won't go back to equilibrium. That was, if you like, almost what the disciples were like on that first Easter Sunday evening as Jesus came and said, peace to you. And then they rejoiced, the joy of knowing Jesus Christ and his resurrection strength because as the psalmist says, doesn't it? The joy of the Lord is my strength. The first gift of Easter is to receive Jesus' peace. But then Jesus goes on, doesn't he? He says, as the Father has sent me, so I send you. You see, the second gift of Easter is to receive Jesus' commission. And the idea of that idea of being sent by Jesus, and the idea quite literally there is to be thrust out. You know, there was this moment earlier in John's gospel in chapter 6 and verse 66 where it says that many disciples of Jesus were deserting him. Many disciples of Jesus were withdrawing from him. And there's this moment where Jesus is just gathered with, with just the 12 of them and says, do you also wish to go away? And Simon Peter answered, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. To whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And when Jesus is saying, as the Father sent me, so I'm sending you. The you is plural. He sends each of us with the words of eternal life. You know, the good news of the Easter story of Jesus, God who came, who loves each one of us and who died for us and our ability to live life without God and who was buried in a tomb and on the third day he rose from the dead. And now those were the words that Peter would have said on Pentecost or similar as he said through Acts. And when he'd said these words, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And now what he would have said in Acts, he would have said, echoing the words of Jesus, now repent and believe and receive the forgiveness of sins. Because that's all that matters. Because the only hope I have that this life is not all that there is is because Jesus died and rose again. Today is St. George's Day. As a later disciple of Jesus Christ, St. George too received those words from Jesus. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. No, he wasn't sent to slay a dragon. For him, to be sent meant that it meant pierced persecution. Because Jesus had said earlier in that farewell discourse on Monday, Thursday, in the world you face persecution, but take courage. I have conquered the world. You see, St. George was this conscript in the Roman army. He wasn't a soldier by choice. He kind of got conscripted. And he decided... In the fourth century, he kept seeing how the Romans, his fellow soldiers, persecuted the Christians. And he saw firsthand this, this persecution. And he saw these Christians still proclaiming and demonstrating the love of Jesus on their 
figuratively almost on their deathbed. Just as they were slayed. And it impacted him. It impacted him so greatly that he decided to become one of those followers himself. Even though that meant that he would suffer the same fate. And you can go to a place called Lod, which is not far from Tel Aviv. And there you'll find his grave. Lod, in Jesus' day, was called Lydda, where we read, read, Peter had been sent. Thrust out after the persecution in Jerusalem in Acts 8, and now healing a paralyzed man in Lydda. Jesus said, as the Father has sent me, so I send you. It reminds me, you know, when you go through the porch of St. George's, you'll see a little, well, it's a frame. And you'll see this piece of paper in it. Kind of like one of these weird, strange ways that the Church of England does things. It's kind of like this bishop's charge from the Bishop of Winchester in the 19th century. And it describes and releases St. George's as a mission church. That's what it's called. Thrust out to proclaim the love of Jesus Christ, just like every church is. It's a reminder of what it's all about. The primary action of the church in the world is the action of its members in our worlds, on our front lines. You know, we may face may not face persecution, but it's a hostile world out there. There's some choppy waters. And you know, we're just like those disciples often in that room, that first Easter Sunday evening. Fearful in many different ways of being sent by Jesus. So let me give you one little way that I can help you with this. The best Christian organization that I think equips Christians for being sent and being equipped into your homes, into your workplace, basically, is the London Institute of Contemporary Christianity. And guess what? This Friday evening, they're in Jersey. Seven till nine, St. Paul's Center. Go there and find out more. Because you'll find so much of how you can be equipped to be sent out to be this witness for Jesus. The second gift of Easter is to be sent by Jesus. And then here's the third and final one. Jesus breathed on his disciples and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. You see, the third gift of Easter is to receive the breath of Jesus' Holy Spirit. There's a very famous passage earlier in John chapter 7. The Feast of Tabernacles, one of the biggest feasts in the Jewish calendar, where Jesus stood up on the last day of the Feast of Tabernacles and said, let anyone who is thirsty come to me. And the one who believes, let him drink. As the scripture has said, out of the believer's heart shall flow streams of living water. Now he said this about the Spirit which believers in him were to receive, for as yet Jesus had not been glorified. That means he hadn't died. So the Spirit hadn't come. 
And when Jesus breathed on the disciples in that upper room, what he was doing, he was literally making those verses for them a reality. And that Greek word for breath, this is how special it is. It's not used anywhere else in the New Testament. The only other time it's used is actually in the Greek version of the Old Testament. Right at the start of creation when it says that God breathed his breath into the first human, Adam. And now Jesus is breathing his resurrected life into the disciples as a foretaste of the new creation. And it's his breath, you know, that we need, isn't it? It's his breath that Jesus wants each of us to receive this gift of Easter. He just says, receive the Holy Spirit. And he breathes on them because we're incapable of living Jesus' life without the breath of the Holy Spirit in us. You see, it's only through his help that we can proclaim and be sent. It's only through his help that we can forgive sins. You see, we need his breath daily because the air that we believe is so often corrupted, isn't it? It's so often polluted by the stain and fear of the world, the flesh and the devil and what it will put upon us. And Jesus just says, receive the Holy Spirit. You see, it's just simply about having a relationship with him, isn't he? That's what Jesus is saying when he's saying, receive the Holy Spirit. Kind of like, just like you might say to the person you love the most, good morning. Or you might grunt, I don't know, hopefully not. It's just saying to the Holy Spirit, good morning, Holy Spirit. Just praying, come afresh in my life. It's just being aware of his presence as we, we go through the day because the more that we have a relationship with someone, the more we hear their voice, don't we? We hear their voice even when they're not in the room, don't we? It's the same way. And then just a bear because he'll say to you, listen, go and bring your peace into this situation. Half the time you'll just go and do it and you won't know you're doing it, but people will notice. Three gifts of Easter. Receive, Jesus said, peace to you. Receive your commission as the Father has sent me, so I send you. And receive the Holy Spirit. Shall we stand and pray together? So Lord, as we pray this morning, as the disciples gathered in that room, So, Lord, would you come afresh to each one of us in this room? Lord, we're aware that we we don't receive a gift with arms folded or our hands in our pockets. We receive a gift with our hands open. And so we just take this invitation, whether we're watching this online later or whether in this room to just receive from you by opening our hands. We just receive your peace now. And 
to whatever situation that we need to know that peace. We receive it. Hear Jesus' words say, Peace to you. And where might he be saying, Go and bring that peace into a situation that someone you know who's not at peace? Where the worry, the stress, the fear seems overwhelming. Where might he say to you this morning, just go and I send you to bring that peace? As the Father has sent me, so I send you. Lord, for these were just ordinary people like you and I. We're just like Peter. We're, we're capable of, of denying you. And yet, he was transformed. So would you transform us in our sending? And we just receive afresh your Holy Spirit this morning. Your equipping. to live the life that you call us to. And so would you just receive Jesus' breath this morning? Receive his love for you, his joy for you, his peace for you. you have received so may you just give it out for Lord your love for us is eternal you will do everything that you have promised Lord would you complete the work in us you have begun Jesus' name we pray. Amen.